Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where we're back on Tatooine this week. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beej. Always with the lasers. I love it. Uh, today, Always. We're talking about The Mandalorian, season two. And we've watched two episodes at this point. I feel like we have some thoughts to kick it off. This is not all-inclusive of season two, because it's not out as of when we're recording this. But we're excited, so we want to talk about it a bit. Yeah, this is one where when they first announced it, like the the new season coming out, like I was only moderately excited for it. And that's weird for me. And then as it got closer, I was like, oh, my goodness, I have to watch The Mandalorian. Oh, my goodness, I have to watch The Mandalorian. I'm so happy it's on now. Yeah. Every Friday morning, Jennifer and I sit uh, before we go to work and watch it uh, while we're drinking our coffee. Like that's been the thing last season and this one. Well, and I've been watching it with my kids this time, which is super fun. So since they watched season one with me over the summer um, when I was rewatching it, now they're like, oh, yeah, we want to see the new episodes. So we've been watching it every Friday as it comes out, too. So that's been like a fun family thing for us. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, So at this point, as of when we're recording, two episodes have come out. So episode one and episode two of season two, which the way that they have it structured, they just call it chapter nine and chapter 10. So it's the one called the Marshall and the other one called the passenger. And it's interesting. Um, I feel like I don't have as many thoughts as when we kicked off the first season of the Mandalorian because it was so new and this is, you know, an iteration on it. This is the second season, but even in that first episode, I just, I loved the nostalgic throwbacks and how much they're like leaning into the star Wars legacy in a way that treats it with yeah. respect. It gives a nod to fans, but it's not in your face. It's not in a way that feels cheap. Um, it's, I don't know. They're, they're just handling it so well. And this one, like I was afraid of going into this one that they would have kind of lost that magic. I mean, and I know that that's a little weird for me to say, but I was afraid that the season, the first season might've been a fluke that once they got super successful, that they would have, have ended up going a different direction with it and kind of doing more, uh, fan servicey things. And while there were throwbacks in this one, it never felt like it was, uh, like it was just fan service. Right. And part of it is it's not in your face too much. Like they had the R5 droid from the original Star Wars movie. But like if you don't know who it is, it it doesn't matter. Like it's not put front and center, which is good. It's the right way to do it. You know, they had like Anakin's pod racer was the engine on one of the like jet bikes that they were using, basically. Um, I didn't realize that until I'd read it later. Yeah, no, that was really cool. I saw that as I was watching it. Um, You know, they had like Gamorreans in it. They had uh, Banthas. Crate Dragon was like key to the whole episode. You know, it's just like all of these little touches on classic Star Wars in a way that if you haven't seen it, it's no big deal because it's like a legitimate part of the story and it just fits in. But if you have seen it, it's these little nods to fans that just jump out at you in a fun way. Yeah, I mean, even if you're not a Star Wars fan and have never seen any of them when the and there will be spoilers, we will be talking spoilers if y'all haven't realized. Um, Probably should have said that earlier. Well, just for the first two episodes, it's not. It's not the full season. It's these are really like setup episodes and tone episodes. Yeah. And there's some some work being done, but it's like there's nothing major to spoil in these two. Yeah, the just episodic spoilers, I guess. Where like when the episode starts and he's going to this like underground fight, like uh, what would in a lot of things be a boxing match or a cage match or something like that. You see the Gamorreans fighting with their axes, and it's very obvious that that's put there for fans like that that's what we knew we knew at some point uh, they had announced that Gamorreans were going to be in the second season and so having that is 
for fans like I was like awesome they're Gamorreans fighting and we actually get to see them do more than stand in Jabba's palace and then uh like for people who aren't it's just two aliens fighting in a ring it's stuff like that that really makes me think that I really feel that they they know this universe well enough on how to use it as opposed to uh to really just trying to take advantage of it well and even the stuff that's more flagrant use of it so like the Boba Fett stuff right like they have a right. fake out with the Boba Fett armor, which I'm, you know, I'm enough of a fan. I kind of know what's going on. Like it was telegraphed enough that I knew that's what it was going to be, but it right. was still really well done that it was on a different character, even though it is Boba Fett's armor and they never say the name Boba Fett. But like, if you know what you're looking for, it's hard to miss. Um, and then you said that that whole piece tied into the extended universe too, right? Yeah, that one is in the Aftermath trilogy that uh, the interludes, the way Chuck Wendig set up the Aftermath trilogy of books was that as it led up to the, that book was the first one published uh, after Disney took over, uh, I think. Or it was one of the first ones that was leading up to uh, The Force Awakens uh, before it got published. before it got uh, released. So this book was structured that there was the main narrative that was taking place. And then it had these interludes between it where they were just kind of vignettes of telling stories of somebody out there in the galaxy. Like it had nothing to do, absolutely nothing to do with the main narrative. And one of them was a character named Cobb Vance on, uh, on Tatooine finding this armor, this acid pocked armor, uh, uh, that Mandalorian armor and uh, getting it and taking over basically a town and declaring himself the sheriff of Tatooine. And then you see him walk in. And for me, like I had no idea that they were putting this into the episode. So I see Boba Fett walk in and I'm like, Oh my God, they have Cobb Vance. And Jennifer's like, what? And I'm like, no, they have Cobb Vance. This is great. And then he took his hat off uh, and, and his helmet and it showed that it was Timothy Oliphant, the actor. And I was like, Oh my God, Cobb Vance is Timothy Oliphant. I love him. Ah, and like I was going, I was fanboying out on the other stuff, not the Boba Fett armor because I knew Cobb Vance had the Boba Fett armor. I was already well aware of the backstory of it and why he was there as the sheriff of uh, Mos Pelgo here. I got it. But uh, to see one of the actors I really like seeing and stuff show up, I had no idea about that made me happy. And it was like a perfect way of using those characters both for fans and for people who have no idea who this dude is, but would recognize Boba Fett. One of the things that impresses me the most so far about this season is that they can do that because they have a Star Wars story group. And it has taken five, six years now since they started kicking off like Star Wars stuff at Disney. Um, Maybe a little bit more than that. But it's finally coming together that the fact that they have one Star Wars story group that like owns the universe and what's happening in it. So I guess what I'm trying to say is as much as I love the old expanded universe um, and I had read like almost all the Star Wars books that came out of that, you know, before Disney took over and wiped out the old canon. One of the things that never happened was they never really took the expanded universe and then tied it back into any of the movies or shows um, because it would just go off on these wild tangents because there was no one overseeing it. Now that it's at Disney, it's taken a while for them to like rebuild it up and they are pulling in pieces from the old expanded universe, which I appreciate. But as they're making things canon now, um, because it's a cohesive unit that's taking care of it 
and overseeing it, you can start pulling from different pieces of the expanded universe and tie them back into the main shows or tie them into the movies or take things from the movies and push them out to the expanded universe. There's this really cool push and pull that can happen now that was never able to happen before. And it was something that we wanted to happen with the old stuff and that it just couldn't because George Lucas always said that he held creative rights to everything and that sometimes it the stuff in the books was just going to contradict what he made and that what he made was the real one. And so even if the stuff in the books was better, like Boba Fett's backstory in the books is way better than Boba Fett's backstory in the uh, in the the in the actual movies where he's a clone of Django Fett. And uh, now, you know, we don't know where he is, but uh, it's uh, much better the way it was a, his story as a soldier in the old expanded universe. But maybe we're going to get to see some of that kind of thing come up in media. Now that we have the story group tying things together. Right. Well, and they, I mean, they leaned into the Boba Fett imagery, especially like the end of the episode, the big reveal, if you know what you're looking at, is that, um, I'm always bad at pronouncing his name, but Tamura Morrison, the guy who played yeah, Jango Fett. I think it's Tamura Morrison. Yeah. Yeah. So he played Jango Fett and he played literally every clone trooper because it's his face on all the clones. Um, he was there. He's in this episode at the very end. And you just catch him for like five seconds at the end when you can see that he's looking at the Mandalorian and then he turns towards camera, walks towards camera and walks out of frame. And the implication there is that this might be Boba Fett. Um, yes. If it's if it's not Boba Fett, it's a clone, right? We know at the very minimum it's either Boba Fett or a clone because no one else would actually make sense in here. Yeah, and that if, if Tamara Morrison were playing anybody else, like they've set it up that that is the actor for all the clones. Like, I'm not sure about the voice actors and everything in the Clone Wars, because obviously it's an animated series and one guy can't do every voice that they ever do for clones. But uh, I even re but they even replaced him as Boba Fett in the re-releases of some of the movies uh, of Empire Strikes Back, where uh, he, you know, well, I, the... the the words are actually Tamara Morrison saying it. So when I saw him cast, everybody was going crazy about uh, Boba Fett being in uh, Mandalorian season two. And I was like, okay, well, Boba Fett's dead. And it's more likely that he's a clone because he's every clone that ever got made. Like it would make more sense to me for like Rex or somebody uh, to be there, but it could be anybody. But then you and I were talking about it uh, after the, episode aired and you have a really good point on why it actually could be Boba Fett and why it's not actually so much fan service to have him but actual making narrative sense yeah well I mean one thing is I think the clones would be too old at this point they should be like old gray-haired guys and like kind of getting pretty old and he didn't look that old um if you just look at the actor and then you look at how old the actor actually is compared to how old boba fett should be in canon at this point they pretty much line up which is a very nice coincidence um the, and he wasn't crotchety like this was yeah. not a a a hobbled old man coming out into the desert like the uh the beginning of aladdin or something it was uh uh very much a someone who was living in the desert and a strong person yeah strong and, you know middle-aged person right and the other thing is like the armor got retrieved so we know that something came out of the star like pit and boba fett was in that armor the last time we saw him so he's probably alive and i i would 
I'm pretty sure this is Boba Fett that we saw. I mean, we'll have to wait to see. You could talk me into it being a clone or something. Like, I would believe that. I could see how they work that into the story. But either way, I'm just excited that they're playing around with the right actor, the right characters, like some of this imagery from the the movies that led up to Boba Fett and the clones. Either way, I'm going to be happy just that they've included it. And it's really cool, like, if they do that, because I'm, I was of the mindset, honestly, before you and I talked, that if it's Boba Fett, that's going to be a big fail. But you brought up a really good point that they've never done anything with Boba Fett at all. Like, they've shown him a little bit in the cartoons as a kid and as a teenager. They've shown him that, like, three scenes in Attack of the Clones, and then they really don't do anything with him there. Like, we don't know what's been going on with Boba Fett at all. I liked the stuff with Boba Fett as an old man after he got out of the Sarlacc pit in the old canon, and I guess, you know, since I accepted that just fine and him being the 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 old Boba Fett uh, living his life and being the, uh, the kind of grumpy old man you would expect, I don't know why I would think that this one wouldn't be okay. So, you know, seeing it in there, I was like, yeah, you know what? We don't know a whole lot about what's gone on with Boba Fett ever. So that would be a, an actual ent- entertaining thing to find out what his life turned out to be. Yeah, I mean, he's basically a blank slate of a character, right? He was highly pushed as a toy to kids in the 80s. Yes. And that's why he got popular. Like, he didn't actually have a big role in the movies. I mean, you can go back and watch the original movies. Boba Fett's there but he's not that big of a deal. He's kind of just a, a almost a nothing side character, right? He's slightly more than a minor side character. And what he did could have been done by any other character in that movie and did yeah. not change anything. Like he he captured Han and brought him to Jabba. I mean, that's it. So when it comes down to, you know, why he was important, it really was toys. Like they put him in droids, uh, the cartoon with a different outfit to test him out. And of course, everybody went crazy because he looks really cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I would love to see this specific group that's doing the Mandalorian and touching on all these Mandalorian culture themes to tackle Boba Fett and work him back into canon. Because I think if anybody can do it and make that character interesting, it will be this team. So we'll watch that. And the other thing that was cool was that uh, the Boba Fett armor jetpack failed the same way as when (laughs) Han did it in Return of the Jedi. So that made me happy, too. That made me really happy when I saw it. Like, I, I, I immediately just started giggling. Like, in that fan, it was a fanboy giggle where I was like, I'm okay with the, that kind of shout out, like that kind of thing, because it still made sense in the story. It wasn't something they put in that was purely slapstick, but it was like, hey, that, that's good. That's a, that's a good one. And uh, one thing that, that Jennifer and I noticed watching this was how janky. Boba Fett's armor looks compared to how great uh, the Mando's looks, that Mando's looks, that uh, his is so shiny and new and and well put together. And Boba Fett's is basically garbage at this point. And I just love it. It shows how cool we thought he was. And then you see the, the new stuff and it's like, oh, it's a lot better. It's a lot cooler looking. Yeah, totally. And I mean, we haven't even touched on the story, but I also feel like there's not a ton to dig into in the story yet. Like the first two episodes were just like cluster classic western stories reset in you know the star wars universe which is totally fine like they work as standalone episodes both of them were interesting i liked watching them i feel like there's a little bit of setup here just like establishing the quest for he's looking for other mandalorians we kind of assume this will eventually lead him to the jedi or force users because that's kind of who he's trying to bring the child to but 
until I see the whole season, these two are, I don't want to call them throwaway episodes because they're not bad. They're just not, they didn't blow me away the way that I was blown away at the beginning of the first season. But right. the other thing is, I don't feel bad about that. I'm still super excited to see where the season takes us. And I'm sure in the context of these eight episodes that we're getting, those two will make a lot of sense once all is said and done. And they had to do that with the first couple of episodes in season one because we had no context. We didn't know what we were getting into and they had to knock our socks off or we weren't going to continue watching like they would have lost massive viewership if they weren't spectacular. And so in this one, they know that the Mandalorian fans are going to come and the Baby Yoda fans are going to come. And so they're they're going to be okay. And with these, like, you're right, it was a very classic come into a town, uh, they're having a problem, you make a deal with the sheriff and get what you want with, uh, you know, when you take care of their problem with the big the big monster. And I also love that they took the crate dragon. So this is this, this thing that we see and hear uh, legends about in Star Wars stuff all the time. We've never seen it on screen that I know of. You may be, I may be wrong on it, but I don't think they've ever shown one, especially in live action. I know they haven't. Um, so they have this thing that we've seen only in video games and in books and uh, we, we've heard about. Right. And then you go in and the, where they have this Western story, they change it into a into a fantasy story. You have the two knights charging at the dragon in the cave. It comes back up around, and you even have the moment where the dragon comes up onto the mountaintop and starts basically breathing fire, where the thing starts spewing the acid bile out at everybody. And uh, I was just talking to Jennifer about this. I was like, they're, they're really hitting these moments of setting them up up like this and then for it to fail like they always do and of course it failed they had to do something else and so we uh we saw the crate dragon and it be a dragon like i liked that they took it from uh, being this kind of mythological creature that we hear about into something that acts like the creature uh, the mythical creature it was based on and then they showed the crate dragon pearl which me and the rest of the internet uh, the nerds on the internet were just crazy because that's again the first time they've shown that in live action star wars stuff yeah no it was really cool um and i feel like the second episode was set up too i mean it, it was some character growth and yes. stuff there was nothing major in it right i mean there were some it was it was almost a horror episode there was monster stuff going on with spiders so actually if you haven't seen it and you're not a fan of spiders be careful of that episode um it's true yeah but it it was set up for future episodes and it did some work of like establishing where the mandalorian is as a parent right now with the child mm -hmm. and he has a lot of room to grow there um i think that's kind of what that one was getting at but again i feel like the first two it's a lot of scene setting it's a lot of establishing they're not bad like i enjoyed them i'm glad i watched both of them but at this point for the season like how are you feeling because i feel like i'm i'm excited to see what else there is and i trust these these producers these directors the writers like the this whole creative team. team yeah yeah i trust this creative team to do it well and i know that they'll get there and i know that everything that we've seen up to this point will pay off and like circle back around i'm just like waiting for it to get to that point that's kind of where yes. i'm at with the season how about you like i'm really excited for the season like i'm really excited for it the second episode was worse than the first one but that's to be expected I mean, in, in, at least that's for what I look for in the show. And it was definitely a bridge episode into the rest of the season.
season, like you said, it was setting all of these character uh, character moments up. And the things I know about casting and plans outside of uh, the show, I'm really excited to see how they're handling some of this stuff. And a lot of it has to do with Boba Fett. More of it has to do with the Jedi. And then I also love that uh, two things that I really love about the second episode. The passenger that he has is actually credited as Frog Lady. Did you know that? No, in but the that's credits, awesome. that's the character's name. Like I love it. That that well, three things. One, the, her name is is Frog Lady, and of course she's going to be back in the next episode because they still have to get to the planet. And I want to see her Frogman husband uh, and all of this, and and you know because he's the one who actually knows where the Mandalorians are. And then three, we know that Baby Yoda and his species are frog eaters. I didn't realize that until Jennifer pointed this out. But he was going nuts on eating that lady's babies. Like, he was eating her uh, her eggs like they were candy. Like, he just loved it. He would not stop. They're frog eggs, man. The one thing he's been going nuts over the entire show are frogs. He just keeps shoving them in his mouth. So when he gets frog eggs, he gets frog caviar just, like, delivered into his house. Of course he's going to do it. Like, he's just going nuts over this stuff. Like, he he's a frogivore. That's what we know about Baby Yoda's species is that they eat frogs and love them. <laughs> Their diet true. is frogs. And I didn't even realize that uh, until Jennifer pointed it out. But I was just like... Oh my goodness, they are frog eggs. That's why he was going so nuts on them. And I also felt really bad because, you know, it means that Baby Yoda's eating this lady's babies that she's putting herself in danger for. And I mean, he's 50 years old. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, there's a lot of imagery going on there. Yeah, there's a lot going on in terms of like character analysis and world building that you just think it looks like a joke, like him eating these eggs and be like, oh, stop eating those eggs. But really, it's like, oh, man, this dude is uh, 50 years old eating this lady's babies and uh, he kind of has to. Yeah. So I think where we land is that we're excited to see the rest of the season. So, I mean, we'll circle back on it once we wrap up the season and kind of see where it takes us. Um, Sure. Don't forget, we're part of a network. You guys can get podcasts. We have streamers. We have the Geekery blog, all of that and more at geek2geekmedia.com or go to geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe to get it sent right to you. Um, And then we also have uh, Patreon to support the digital magazine, which what's the latest with that? Uh, We are working on the holiday issue i was gonna say holiday episode uh we're working on getting it together for holiday memories not just christmas not anything like that but what we do uh with gaming and the holidays and how holidays have tied into uh the gaming memories that we've had uh so we're working on that one for uh this month so y'all should go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast and you can check that out and read the back issues subscribe to us it's really good like i'm impressed by our writing team uh it's they're they're good folks that probably brings us to Weekly Geekery, where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. What have you been up to? Um, so a lot of Dungeons & Dragons stuff this week, actually. Um, the main thing is that we got through Austin's birthday campaign, uh, his birthday dice extravaganza, and uh, it took two nights running a, a campaign, running a session, a module that was called Call of the Drowned uh, that I got off of DMs Guild, dmsguild.com. And it was uh, really fun. It we realized that my wife does not really like D and D. 
It is not a game for her. Uh, stats are her least favorite part of any game she plays. Uh, she doesn't like upgrading armor and equipment and stats and things like that. She makes me do it because she just doesn't have fun. She does it when she has to to get back to the fun parts. And that's pretty much the entire game of D&D are stats and rolling and adding things up. And she's like, I hate this. So she uh, she did not enjoy that. But overall, I mean, laughing and joking with everybody she had fun with. So we had a lot of fun at one point. She actually did, and I know I was running a normal D&D game, and at one point she rolled a one on a saving throw uh, to be scared, and uh, we decided that she pooped her pants. That, uh, like, she actually would, in that situation, uh, be so scared, and that's what everybody decided. When I was like, what happens to you? What are you and, and they're like, you poop your pants. She's like, okay, I poop my pants. Wow. Uh, because she lost eight, 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 she was so scared uh, that she did that. Like uh, it was a sea hag fright check, and uh, like we had a lot of fun doing that. And then we did a stream on Saturday night, uh, one shot with uh, Todd Elinzia and Data Error uh, on the slash Twitch TV slash Crafting Rogue for Extra Life. We did a session that Todd put together, and that was great. It was hilarious. It was totally fun to do. I really hope we get. To to do it again we have wonderful comments we had people in the chat uh talking with us and and buying you know they, they were donating and then it would be like are we going to kill bj at this point uh you know you can donate it's like microtransactions. uh do you want bj dead uh so it, w- it was really fun doing stuff like that it's still up and when it's not on uh, her twitch channel anymore i'm gonna put it on youtube so people can watch if they want to i'd also like to really really brag on the geek to geek team uh capsule j streamed 10 hours of mario 64 that day uh we, then we broke and played the uh the the D game and then alinzia continued afterward uh streaming two two point hospital uh all for extra life and we brought in uh, about just under four hundred dollars for the streams so uh with with doing the geek to geek stuff so the we're really really proud of uh being able to put uh something together that that raised money and y'all donating and uh so that was really cool i've never done anything for charity like that like i it was it's weird and then when we got done and i told jennifer about that i was like that feels good I was like, I like that. Like, I've never actually like done real fundraising or anything that where people were donating, but seeing people like donate while I'm doing this thing, like that feels good. Like that was fun. I should do that more. And uh, this weekend, uh, Austin is DMing the start of the Icewind Dale adventure, the Rime of the Frost Maiden, and he has told me not to look anything up uh, about it because he wants it all to be a surprise. And then I looked up a map of where Icewind Dale was in the world. He was like, "Stop looking stuff up." And uh, so I have to I have to to break my habit of wanting to know everything before I go in because uh, he's wanting to run this cold because <laughs> it's Icewind Dale cold. <laughs> cool. So that's that's on Friday and I'm really excited to start that one up. So it'll be cool. Nice. No, it sounds like a good week of D&D. Yeah, it really was. I took a break last night because we had played with Riley over the phone just a little bit and did a little thing uh, before as well. It was like four days in a row. It was like, I need a break yeah, last night. Yeah. Um, for me this week, uh, I I played some video games. I'm just kind of like picking away at stuff that have, that I've beaten or I'm, I'm in a good spot with um, or I wanted to do a couple last things because 
I'm anticipating my PS5 showing up in a couple days after this recording. It should be here this Thursday. And then I'm going to dive into all the new things, right? I want to get into Miles Morales. I'm going to try out the built-in Astro's Playroom thing, whatever that is. Um, I have Assassin's Creed, Valhalla. Like, and I'm going to end up buying other things because that's what happens when you buy a new console. Is like I just want mm-hmm. all the games. So I'll end up getting more than that too. So for right now, what I did this week is I went back and I kept playing Hades, you know, a couple runs every night um, just because I wanted to see credit. And it's interesting that so I did see credits. I beat Hades. And in my mind, it's finally like kind of mentally checked off. Like I can move on to the next thing. It takes 10 runs or maybe it's nine runs, but you have to complete nine or 10 runs um, all the way to the end. And then you get to credits. And every time you get to the end of a run, um, you get a really meaningful like story beat. And even if you don't beat it, if you get sent back to the beginning, you're still getting story beats. And the interesting thing is, like, Hades did such a good job of giving me story that was interesting. That's why I kept going back to this roguelike. And as I was thinking about it, this might be the only roguelike that I've ever actually beaten. Like, did you did you not beat Slay the Spire? I, no, I don't huh. think so. Well, did I? No, I mean, I played it a bunch. But yeah, I didn't, like... I was thinking you actually went through all the way through, but maybe, maybe so. No, I mean, you know, usually I'll play a roguelike for a while if it hooks me, which, you know, it's it's kind of hit and miss with that genre for me. But if it hooks me, I'll play it for a few weeks and then I'll kind of move on away from it. Um, but this is the first one where I like saw credits and I beat the game and I actually got to the end of it 10 times, you know, um, just so I could get to the credits. And so the story in Hades is so good. I would not at all be surprised to see this like at the top of a lot of people's like games of the year list. If you are a roguelike fan, like this is the best one that there's ever been, basically, um, because of the story, because of everything else that they've put into it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge roguelike fan and I really like the game. It will be at least my honorable mentions. It's probably not going to be in my top five just because, again, the genre is not really my genre, but I love the game a lot. So we'll see where it lands at the end of the year. I've been really shocked at how much I'm hearing about Hades. Like the early access kind of put it out of my mind as just being like, oh, it's a roguelike. It's pretty, you know, it's good, but you know, it's a roguelike. And now the actual release is showing that it's fantastic. It's something that I will eventually play on either Game Pass or or sale. And even though it's not expensive now, but I don't like I like roguelikes even less than you do. So for me, it will be a sale game. But I want to see what the fuss is about. Yeah, and I really like super giant games. So it's not surprising to me that they were able to make a game in a genre I don't typically resonate with. And it worked for me. But yeah, I mean, I'll always check out the next thing that they're doing. Um, outside of that, I tried the Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity demo, which is basically their Dynasty Warriors uh, Zelda clone. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there was the other one, and now this is the one that's based on Breath of the Wild. And it was okay. <laughs> like, it was okay. I don't know. I saw a lot of people hmm. talking about it as like, oh, it's like the best Warriors game ever. It's, it does all this stuff to make it a lot more like Breath of the Wild. And I played it, and it just felt like a Dynasty Warriors game, which every once in a while like once every five to ten years i'm in the mood to play one of those and i'm just not right now you know it's like waves and waves of enemies and you go and you claim the forts and then you keep pushing them away and it's i don't know you know if you want to go defeat thousands of enemies on every single map and then every map takes you like 45 to 60 minutes you can go play this game like it's a perfectly serviceable like dynasty warriors-esque game even though it's zelda but it's just it's not what I'm into at the moment. Um, and like I said, I'll get that craving once every five or 10 years, but I'm just not feeling it right now. 
And that's one of those games, like, I don't get into the Musou genre very much at all. Like, I like the Dragon Quest Heroes games, and they're the same thing as this. I mean, they're Dragon Quest games that are Warriors games, that are Musou games, that have, uh, that they're, they've got that skin. And that's the way this one is. It's a Musou game that has a Hyrule Wars, has a Zelda skin, where I haven't even downloaded the demo yet, because I'm afraid... Well, first of all, I haven't been in the mood for playing a game like that in a while. And second, it's like, I'm afraid that if I get the demo right now, I'm not going to want to end up buying the actual game. So I don't know. I'm in a weird place with it because I'm excited about it, but also I don't want to play it. It's a it's a really weird place to be with a game that as much as I love Breath of the Wild. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I was hoping that it would kind of resonate with me so that I could get into it and then I could yeah. like play through it for the story, but it just didn't. And it's obviously a side story and it's a different team and it's a completely different kind of game. So I have no problem just saying, oh, that's an easy one for me to skip, given everything else <laughs> that's coming out in November this year. I'm actually amazed just because of how much you love Zelda that you wouldn't play through it for the story. Yeah, it's I mean, that's kind of why I played through the original Hyrule Warriors. And in hindsight, it didn't really give me anything right. It was it was a decent Musou game with the Zelda skin. And I think that's exactly what this one is going to be, too. And if you and if it turns out that there's, you know, reviews and uh, actual playthroughs that talk about it being a substantial chunk of story, I'm sure you'll go and do it. You'll hate play it and uh, (laughs) get through the story. I I don't know. You can always just watch a YouTube video. Like, I don't think I want to play this one. Like, it's hmm. it's a long slogging, just like, yeah, you can destroy thousands of guys every map. But, like, I just, I don't know. There, there's nothing new there oh, for yeah, me. Oh, yeah, I totally like, get it. Yeah. Um. And so the other thing that I did, the kind of last one here of the things I was picking away at before Next Gen really hits, was I played more Fortnite. And we're in the last right. few weeks of this season. This is season four of chapter two, I believe. Um, but it's the Marvel season. And so all 10 weeks of the battle pass are out right now. And we're into bonus weeks. So they've basically said that there are going to be four bonus weeks that don't count as like typical weekly challenges, but it just gives you a chance to catch up at the end of the season. They give you a bunch of bonus XP if you complete these like bonus challenges that they're doing right now. Um, But they don't meaningfully move the story ahead or anything. They just kind of give you remixes every week. They give you interesting game modes. You know, they're just messing around, kind of killing time until the next big thing that changes it into season five for this chapter. And... Um, the main reason that I was playing is like we wanted to hit a certain point in the battle pass, my son and I, and we did that. We got him his like silver foil Groot and we were very happy about that. And then there there have been all of these side challenges throughout the whole season where you can go and unlock variants of different Marvel characters costumes. And we were far enough along that I looked at what was left and I said, I want to unlock all of them because we had like 75% of them. So that's what I spent some time doing. I went in and I got all of the variants of all the Marvel characters so that I have them forever now, if I ever want to use those skins. And that was kind of like my mental stopping point with this season, unless they do something unexpected here in the last like three weeks that are left. Um, It basically runs through the end of this month. Yeah. And I mean, one of the reasons I got it and played through what I did of it was to get the Marvel skins and, and I loved it. And mainly because if I ever go back to play Fortnite, I hate most of their normal skins. Like, I don't know what it is, but they're so... I love garish and obnoxious things, and those are a level beyond what I even like. And so it uh, most of them I don't like, but so being able to run around as Thor with Mjolnir, I'm okay with, uh, as opposed to some of the stuff that I see out there. 
Yeah, totally. But I mean, I think I've had more fun with Fortnite in this season than I did through any other time that I've gotten into Fortnite for a while. So it's Fantastic. definitely, definitely been worth it for me. It's been super fun to play that with my son. And we'll see what the next season brings. But like, I'm also ready for a break. But I think that like this Marvel season really cemented Fortnite in my mind as a live service game that I could keep coming back to for years. And right. in the way that I come back to Final Fantasy 14, right, where like, I disconnect from it for six months or a year at a time. And then eventually I come back to it and I play it for an expansion. That's how I do 14. Um, I could see myself doing that with Fortnite. We're like, okay, well, let's let the next couple of seasons go. And then the next time there's something really interesting for a season, I dig in and I play really seriously for like nine or 10 weeks. I can see that. I can absolutely see you playing it that way. Yeah, so that's been fun. But again, next week, we should have more. Hopefully, we both have PS5s that we can talk about. And then we'll have games. We'll have games to talk about soon after that. Um, That's probably it for this week. You guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, make sure to check out all the other content on the network, blogs and video game reviews. And like we talked about earlier, our digital magazine, Press Start. I blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week. We've been Void and Vige with your geek to geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, all When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network, a community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games. Star Wars. Comics. Movies. K-pop. Disney Plus. Keanu. Keanu Reeves. New. Or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep, and each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes, Keanu.